0: Aloha, and welcome to the Ohana Stories podcast, stories that bring communities together. I'm your host, Ross Chun, and today we're speaking with Sonia Chavez. She's the founder and CEO of the Casa Collective, a staffing, recruiting, and career planning agency that brings equity to workforce development. And we're also gonna be speaking with Sonia about her role as the president-elect of the Eliso Viejo Chamber of Commerce. Well, Sonia, thank you so much for joining the podcast.
1: Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> I, um,
0: I, I, I love being able to do these segments and talk to people that I've gotten to know a little bit, but then also I get to learn more about you. And And, and so I want to start off by saying, do you, do you recall how we first met?
1: I do. I first met you at a networking breakfast with the Alyssa Viejo Chamber of Commerce.
0: That's right yes. that's right with mm-hmm. the Chamber of Commerce so they have a um they have a networking breakfast every month, and I do my best to attend those because we get to meet um, the new businesses or people who are prospective members, and the chamber is really the city's conduit to building the local economy so i um i I've always said that we don't feel like a complete city unless we have our uh, our Chamber of Commerce and uh, our connection to the local businesses. So yes, that's how we met. Mm -hmm. And so let me start out by asking then, um, you have an official role with the Chamber of Commerce, right?
1: I do now, yes. So initially I signed up as a member, I believe it was last year in May, and was just a member of the Chamber. And then around October, um, they had asked me to do a, the, you know how they do the morning inspiration? Yes. So uh-huh. they asked me to do a morning inspiration. I want to say it was around September, October time frame. And I, so I shared my story a little bit about myself and um, the fact that I raised my daughter on my own. I was a single mother. I had her at the age of 21, uh, really struggled through that and uh, put myself through school because I was I was struggling. I was on, you know government assistance and things of that nature, and um, wanted to be able to provide for her. Her father was not in the picture. So I put myself through undergrad, and then eventually graduate school, so that I could essentially afford to take care of her. So I told that story, Mm -hmm, and how mm -hmm. uh, the other mission of mine was to break the cycle. I come from a family of, you know, a lot of the women got pregnant as teenagers, and didn't finish high school, and definitely didn't move on to college, so I was a first-generation graduate, Um, in my family as well and really again wanting to set that um, be that role model for my daughter so Mm -hmm. that was important to me Mm -hmm. so anyways I share that story at this breakfast Mm -hmm. and after that um, one of the chamber members or I should say board of directors uh, her name is Michelle Mm -hmm. Goodson and she uh, recommended that um, or nominated me to serve on the board uh, just as a board of director Mm -hmm. I went to my first meeting and in that meeting, Julie Wright, the current president, was looking for someone to become the president-elect because she's looking to really retire from the chamber. Um, she's been running it for a long time. And so I saw it as a great opportunity to to learn. I'm always, to me, a, a constant learner. And I thought a lot of um, the things that I would learn by being able to learn under her that I could even use in my personal business as well, since I, I have my own business. And... It was a goal for me to serve on on a board. This is my first time serving on a board. Oh, it is. So okay. yes. Okay. So I thought it would be, you know, the chamber. You know, we it's still somewhat of a small chamber. So I thought, uh-huh. oh, that you know, I think I can. Um, really, put my arms around this and get involved and learn from julie who 's been an expert in that role for years she started the chamber if you if you 're aware yes
0: right. i am <laughs> i 've known Julie for twenty years yeah, yes. so
1: i basically volunteered, I raised my hand and said I was interested, and right there on the spot, we you know we discussed it as a board. Um, and they um they nominated me, and or I should say voted me in so yeah. now i 'm the president elect i 'll take my term per se in january twenty twenty five but right now i 'm considered the president elect under her wing, so i 'm pretty much shadowing her hundred <laughs> percent
0: so that's and that 's interesting because i i I did have to ask about that because i 'm uh, of course i 've served on a number of boards, so i 'm aware of board structure and so forth and and so you you joined as a member. You're you're a business owner, and I want to talk about that. Yes. Um, but you're a business owner. You joined as a member. Then you got on the board, and now you're the president elect. And I wasn't sure what was happening because I attend the the chamber uh, events, and I was at the installation. Yes. And I thought, okay, so now Sonia is going to be installed as the president. But then you you're, you're going to spend this year as the president elect. That's Correct. the process. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and. And so, as a as a business owner, and and, and let's just preface this by saying that in Aliso Viejo, we have a ri- wide range of, of uh, business members to our chamber. So, we have individuals, we have um, corporations, um, nonprofits, and um, and and retailers. And and in your case, you're a a professional services uh, business owner. Correct. And and so that's fascinating to me because that in itself is a a unique aspect to the local economy, Mm -hmm. um, because you're not selling something, you're not booking something, you are providing a service and contributing to the economy uh, in that way. So, and you're based right here in Elisa Viejo. Yes, correct. And and I didn't know that until very recently. So you're right here um, at 120 Vantis, and many people, everybody that I know, knows this business complex and the different businesses that are are housed here along Vantis, and Vantus is known for the live workspaces, mostly. Um, they're also known for the Homewood Suites Hotel, because it's one of our two hotels here in Aliso Viejo, um, where Vantus is known also for the Vantus Apartments, which are luxury apartments in, in our city. But um, in the business community, people recognize this, this Building 120, Vantus Way, as, as a sort of a hub for different types of businesses, large and small who are housed here, who serve the community, but also in, in some cases, they work with different entities, including the Chamber of Commerce. And so you yes. fit right in there perfectly.
1: Yes. <laughs> and how
0: long have you been here, Annalisa? Uh,
1: I have been here since November of, uh, not this past year, but the year before. So this past November was uh, a little over a year now. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm.
0: And and because we're talking about the Chamber, I, I, I'd love to find out what was the thinking when you were looking for a place to locate your business? um, Did Aliso Viejo immediately come to mind? Did you look around and try or did somebody refer you to the city here?
1: So I was looking for an office space just like everyone else. I you know was working from home right during the pandemic and I I have to admit I was not a good work from home person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm that <laughs> same person.
1: <laughs> I um I mean I yeah, so that transition when we all were required to work from home was really difficult for me. I'm I'm a highly social person. I also like the structure of like coming to an office, getting dressed up for the day, you know, and leave you know, having all my work dedicated to a space and then I get to leave that space and go home and have that separation between You know, work and home, Mm -hmm. have have that balance. So I found that uh, I didn't have that balance through the pandemic. And as a result, I just like everyone else, I gained a lot of weight. And, (laughs) you know, just from a health perspective, it didn't, you know. So as soon as I I had actually been living down in San Diego, North County, San Diego. I lived in Oceanside. Oh, okay. And um, I had met a gentleman through the pandemic, and he had asked me to move in. So I moved in. He lives in San Juan, Capistrano. I moved in with him. And then um, he works from home. So we were both trying to work from home. And he has a very tiny home. And I was just kind of pulling my hair out. So so I I basically said, I need to go find an office space. So I went looking around at um, similar, like, you know, WeWorks, um, where I'm at now is called Premier Workspaces. So similar setups where you have... You know offices and kind of shared workspaces as far as like conference rooms and copiers and a break room. So I wanted that kind of environment. I went all the way through, um, all the way up to Costa Mesa and Mission Viejo, and wow. then found this one in El Viejo. And I just really love this. Honestly, I the building itself is beautiful. It is. It it's is. Um, sitting on top of the hill. I remember climbing up this hill that kind of climbs around down towards the plaza down there. Kind yep. of like our up downtown El Viejo. Yeah. Correct. And as I drove up, I was like, "Gosh, it's just so beautiful up here and quiet." And it just, I just, it just felt like a fit. I just knew as soon as I came into it, I'm like, "This is where I want to set up shop." So that's how I landed here. Oh, and <laughs> and
0: so now, as the, the the chamber, a chamber board member, and the president elect you see from this vantage point, you see major corporations like Ambry Genetics yes. and uh, and Glaucos mm-hmm. and all these big names. You see um, our retail area, which is growing, yes. um, and also major hotels like Homewood Suites and Renaissance Club Sport. Mm-hmm. So you have this vantage point and the, the advantage of seeing a broad range of businesses here in Aliso Viejo, um, but you also have the added value of being one of those businesses. Yes. So does that, do you feel like that helps you in communicating with prospective members or current members as we're going through these meetings?
1: Definitely. I would say, you know, when when I came here initially, it was more about just the feel and the location of where I was at but then once I learned about the chamber, then I was, I was obviously you know intrigued and wanted to explore it, and I that's how I learned about it as I went to the first networking breakfast, and really I think that's actually where I met you was yes. that very first time, <laughs> and after that that's when I decided to become a member because I was so intrigued by just um, the sense of community, the people, and then like you said I learned about the other companies that were around here, Glacros being one of them, and just the. Um, again, it's a flourishing downtown. I could see that there was development that's, uh, you know, it's growing. Mm -hmm, So I'm like, mm -hmm. you know what? I think this is a good place to to start my business because I had just started my business. So, um, so definitely being part of the chamber and seeing the businesses that are here and just a sense of community, even within the floor that I work on, you know, and being able to communicate with some of the people that we have these individualized office, Mm -hmm. but just like, you know, we get the little coffee, what do they call it or water cooler talk and and things of that nature and that's and fostering those um relationships so I so yeah I definitely feel like I landed in the right spot
0: and so now that you're here and I want to talk a little bit about your business because it's 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 fascinating I was interested before but then as we spoke a little bit about the flavor of your business and your focus I became even more intrigued so so what would you categorize your service as your professional service you are a recruiter or headhunter or how do you how do you like to be referred yeah
1: so what we we've we've gone through some terms so now we call ourselves workforce solutions because what we're providing is more at first it was just more like staffing and recruiting you know Mm -hmm. which most people are aware of and and are have used sometime in their whether they're the job you know looking for a potential opportunity job seeker i should say or Mm -hmm. they're uh, an employer looking for talent but um, but we've expanded since then. So when I first started, I really only focused on direct hire, so like a lot of executive search and direct hire placement. And then I really wanted to get into staffing, which is more of the temporary side. Oh, and, okay. Because um, that's where I came from. I came from agency and I was very, knees deep into the staffing, you know, temporary agency type of business, I started my career in IT recruiting, mm-hmm. so that came more natural to me, mm-hmm. I, I, hire. I definitely have my experience doing, but I really like the temp cycle, I guess, it's fast, it's, it's, um, you know, you're, you're fulfilling a need, a lot of those people end up getting converted to full time. So um so I really like that, I guess, just the, the rhythm of doing temporary um, placements. And so uh, but then, like I said, we expanded beyond that because then uh, I brought on a business partner and we started then acquiring our certification. So like our, I'm a woman minority business, I'm considered a DBE, which is a disadvantaged business enterprise. Um, I'm qualified for that because I'm a Latina woman
0: (laughs) oh that's interesting so So I I wasn't familiar with that designation
1: yes Mm -hmm. okay but
0: um, Mm -hmm. being a Latina woman yes that is one of the sort of prerequisites is is being from one of those classes of employer
1: correct correct yes and also under a certain um, like you basically haven't um, earned I think it's like close to five million dollars in revenue which I'm clearly not there yet because I'm still a startup Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh, so we got the certifications, and because of that, now we can do government contract. Oh, so I then see. it's you know so then right then your scope of services gets broader. So we can provide um, temporary services, direct hire services to government agencies. They call them SLED, so it's like the um, the state, local agencies, education, as well, and like schools, um, universities and such. And then we also got the certification. It's called um, the. They call it Wasp for sure, or waspi it's um, woman owned small business um, enterprise, and you can now do federal contract, so oh, federal okay. contract, so what we do is we submit for RFPs to, to earn that work, and uh, we started submitting RFPs, and, you know, there is competition, you know, a lot of times you have to start off as a subcontractor before you can become a prime contractor, where mm-hmm. you hold the majority of the contract, but... Um, but we're getting there but then again that just enhanced the services we could provide so
0: and the clientele that you're serving now this is the part that we. It, it it seems to distinguish you from every other business or many other businesses in, in your particular segment. So you're focusing on a particular clientele, is that correct?
1: Yes, we, we specialize in like IT for one, like tech, so mm-hmm. AI, machine learning, software development, everything under the tech because that's where I started my career was in IT. Mm-hmm. And then we also do uh, marketing and creative. Uh, we do... so I. Me, myself and one of my other business partners, we used to work at the Gemological Institute of America in, in Carlsbad, if you're familiar, it's- G-I-A. GIA, yes, yes, yes. So I, that's where really That's really the cornerstone of my career. Right? Oh, my leadership, okay. um, I got my first leadership role there as a manager, grew a team, but we learned all about the jewelry industry, the gemology okay. industry. So between the both of us, her name is Zaudi Miranda, we have about 10 years altogether. Uh So when she came on board to work with me, then we, she immediately was encouraging me to support that industry. Mm-hmm. She was like, "Sonia, we know this industry. We need to support it. We have great contacts uh, from working at GI for so long, and we, we need to be in this space." So, so honestly, a lot of the clients that we've gotten recently have been within the jewelry industry. So, <laughs> and you're
0: serving. You're mm-hmm. serving. Um, particular segments of the of the community as well. Correct. So, um, and and I know that a lot of companies are trying to um, either for. Um, uh, um, appearances sake or, or they're, they're genuinely looking to diversify their workforce. Correct. And so yes. you are specifically focusing on bringing uh, diversity and equity and inclusion. Correct. Into the into your industry and into the industries that you serve. Yes,
1: yes. Yeah. So what we did was, um, my company is called Caza Collective. So Caza in Spanish means to hunt. So whether you're hunting for an opportunity oh. or hunting for um, the talent, mm-hmm. then CASA is your destination. So that's how we. I came up with the name. But then I was really passionate around, so one of the things that I'm really passionate about is just community as a whole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, being on the corporate side, I know that they have DE&I initiatives. And I actually sat on a DE&I committee at GIA and it was a result we didn't have that in place before and really it was a result of black lives matter that we decided we needed to do something we needed you know historically gia never really took a stance as far as politically or socially you Mm -hmm. know on where they stood with things and it started coming to the point where you know you see a lot of organizations were were starting to make statements on where they stood with that issue and and what were they gonna to do to, to address it? And it really came back to those DE&I efforts. So I was part of the committee and it was you know, fascinating because it was something that we embarked on with great intention, but what happens though, and just like any organization who decides to maybe make a stand or start to focus on DE&I, when you're a, an employee inside that company, um, we gotten some people loved what we were doing, and some people felt like it was just i guess the word they felt like it wasn 't genuine because they felt like well if i don 't feel a sense of belonging completely internally, but then we 're putting that externally to out to the public, like what we realized we needed to do something for the employees we needed mm-hmm. to connect with the employees and so we we did a lot of work on that and and it was you know i I was really proud of the efforts that we did make internally to address that and and promote from within, you know, and identify diverse leadership and things of that nature. So we did that internal work, right? And and, but of course, during that time or shortly thereafter, that my time at GI ended, and I, I got recruited to go work for a different company. Mm-hmm. But um, fast forward to where I am today, I wanted to do something where, because um, one of the biggest challenges that we had, and I was the head of talent acquisition at GIA and even at my former company that I worked at before I started my own business. And one of the challenges that we had was that um, trying to find, well, <laughs> as I mentioned, I think I mentioned to you when we first spoke, was that as a recruiter, you speak with hiring managers and they give you a list of requirements that they're looking for in their ideal candidate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's usually, you know, a one x amount of years of experience um you know specific degrees education and things of that nature and skills and then the diversity conversation always comes up which is well we need more women you know so let's say this usually happens in it we need more women let's can you know we really want a woman Mm -hmm. or it'll say um you know we don't have enough diversity in our in our team we would like them to be Hispanic or or black, you Mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. and, and I have to admit as a talent acquisition leader, that was so difficult because I can't go out and shop for that. Right. You know, you can't. Go on LinkedIn and look for brown people, or right, right, or, you know what I mean, and it's it doesn't work that way.
0: And it, it also has sort of a—I I hate to say it this way—but it has sort of a, a, an offensive tone yeah, to it. Right. I mean, I feel that way now. For I don't know why this is, but if someone said we want to in- increase our female workforce, right. that doesn't seem. Uh, that unusual but if someone says we're looking for more Asians yeah. I cringe <laughs> a little bit when I hear that yes so it is a very difficult line to walk
1: it is and it's it's hard because it's so it's said with the best intention right mm-hmm. there's no malice in in that request because right they see that there's a, a di- you know I guess you could say a diverse and inclusive gap and they mm-hmm. want to fill mm-hmm. it but you as a recruiter or a talent acquisition leader, you can't just go out, like I said, and shop for that. You can't order it up like you would order, you know, a meal. Or, mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, so so unfortunately, then that's where talent acquisition leaders then need to get creative and look for ways then to, you know, identify that talent, attract that talent. And at the, at the same time, still be fair and equitable. Because at the end of the day, you still want to hire the best person for the job, regardless of. Gender, race, what you know, all of that. Mm-hmm. So, so you're walking that fine line, even even as a talent acquisition leader or a recruiter, when you're out there doing the headhunting per se, mm-hmm. and even in a corporate side, you're still doing that, right? Because you're filtering through all these candidates, and they have, you know, um, I should say, technology has it in place now where you can't tell who you're talking to, right? Bad, right? They have a right. lot of that because in order to be fair and equitable, like. We can't see, uh, you know, a lot of candidates are concerned when they're having to enter in that personal information like your your gender, your race, you know, have you been a veteran, you know, all of those things. But that information is removed from recruiters. It's a compliance. So, mm-hmm. so um, I've actually had candidates ask me like, gosh, you're asking these questions, should I be concerned? And I said, no, the recruiter doesn't see that. It's more for EEOC, so when they hire you, um, then they can see that information and only HR can see that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the recruiter who's recruiting doesn't see that. But um, but again as a talent acquisition leader I still needed to get my positions out there for you know for the company. And so there's a lot of these diversity job boards that you hear about and you know you can look them up and some of them are very good. They're reputable. Like I, one of my favorite ones is like Fairy God Boss, I think it's called and it's oh, okay. catered to- towards women. Um there's um Latinas in Tech, you know there's all these um job boards that do very well, and a lot of them are providing resources, They're, they've created community for the diverse job seeker, mm-hmm. let's say, or inclusive job seeker. And But then there's ones who are, I feel, are taking advantage of DE&I, and they've been able to use SEO to their diva- advantage, mm. and there's job boards out there, and I don't want to name call no, them, yeah, but, but. but um, there's some out there that, you know, I guess you could say are using the name diversity in somewhere in the url Mm -hmm. and but when you go to that website you just see a list of jobs but there's no resources they're not doing anything to really attract that diverse job seeker that they're claiming that they are targeting Mm -hmm. so -hmm. there's so so i remember signing up for these job boards because right when when we decided to you know, showcase that we were supporting D E and I, the go to was you go into Google and you start typing in diverse job boards and they all pop up and you just start registering and posting your jobs. But then when you have to report out on that ROI, like who are you really getting, you you don't know that you're getting a diverse job seeker. There's mm-hmm. no guarantees and, and also I saw that I was lucky if I got two or three resumes from these job boards, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you would see thousands and thousands of jobs posted on those job boards. So to me, it was it felt un- dishonest and that these companies are investing in these job boards thinking they're doing their due diligence, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I guarantee you that those diverse job seekers are not going there because there's nothing that is there to support them as a job seeker. Right, right. So. I felt so passionate about that because it was so frustrating to me being on the corporate side as a you know talent acquisition leader and also part of the DEI committee that I could not show that these investments that we were getting our ROI and we were actually truly bringing in the diverse candidate pool that they were hoping to achieve. Mm-hmm. So I um, once I started Cause a Collective, then I was like. I want to start, I want to have my own job board, but I want it to be more robust. We're actually providing value to the job seeker. We're helping them on their job journey. We're doing workshops. We have events that actually attract those candidates to those positions. Mm -hmm. So we are doing the job of putting those roles in front of the diverse job seekers by hosting events, workshops, webinars, and things of that nature. And then if you go to Causa Connect, so it's a a different website Mm -hmm. and You'll see that you can, you know, upload your resume. We have resume review services. You can get um, connected with a career coach. And, and then, of course, there is a list of jobs that you can apply to. But we're doing that active marketing to the diverse job seeker. We're not just posting them in and hoping SEO brings in the people, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's so. right, yeah. so that's uh,
0: So that's fascinating. First of all, you have... Um, uh, wrap your arms around an issue that I'm I I've been familiar with from previous jobs, and I, and I think I told you about this, but you know it it dawned on the American Red Cross it was just a, a you know six six years ago seven years ago that all of their photography and advertising showed white people assisting people of color who were in some sort of disaster situation, and that imagery was guiding their recruitment. Mm -hmm. So they would recruit to fill positions and um, they would get uh, a a much smaller, a disproportionate number of applicants from diverse backgrounds. And they realized, well, we've been showing this uh, this imagery of what the Red Cross does for decades. Mm -hmm. So they made sure that it was actually more accurate and, and equitable. That people of all colors are helping people of all colors. So I saw while I was there, I saw this change in their outward messaging. But then on top of that, they made sure that the recruiters and the people that were interviewing applicants also were from diverse backgrounds. Correct. So that the applicants came in and they felt like, oh, okay, this does make sense. This is what I'm applying for. This is what I'm doing. Right. So and and so with your surname, do you think that that contributes to the perception, or do? Do applicants know your name when they they contact you or is it is that like a blind side to the um...
1: You mean my name my personal Yes your personal Sonia name Travis? yes yes <laughs> I I mean, I don't I don't know right now because so we so, you know, for transparency, we just launched it. It's still pretty new. Oh, I see. Yeah, we're still rolling out. Um, We did some initial social media and we decided to revamp it. We're doing a whole new campaign. Mm -hmm, We're planning mm -hmm. our first event. It's going to be a launch event. And what we're really wanting to do is it's going to be a mix of a career fair Mm -hmm. as well as kind of like a networking mixer that will kind of that'll cater more to the companies to showcase what we can do. We want to help the companies really brand themselves, help them with that branding. Because usually you go to a career fair and, you know, some of them are great, but some mm-hmm. of them are just, you know, there's maybe one or two people sitting there and they have maybe a banner behind them and that's that's about it. There's not a lot to showcase yeah. who they really are as an employer. And and sometimes that's a disconnect between HR and marketing, right? There's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a different budget. But we can help uh, really highlight who they are as an employer. So... Um, we have a, a strong team. I partnered up with a with a, an individual who does event planning, um, and he focused on event experiences. So from some some big name brand, you know, corporations, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so and then he also had a recruiting background. So we decided to partner up and became become partners, mm-hmm. so that we could really build this out. And it was when I first told him about this idea of cause to connect and what I wanted to build. I literally was going to networking events looking for people who know how to do events. Oh. And <laughs> so we ended up meeting through the chamber, mm-hmm. chamber um, through the Hove Chamber of Commerce, and once we started talking and seeing that we had alignment with our backgrounds but then also, right? He's bringing this this talent that I don't have, which is this event planning. Mm-hmm. And then I have the DE and I experience. I have the certifications. We're we're combining all of that so that we can create these robust programs. So we'll have a launch event. We're still identifying the location. It will be in Orange County, and like I said, it'll be somewhat of a celebration event because it'll be a launch event. But it'll incorporate the career fair, the mixer. We'll do some. We'll have someone there taking LinkedIn. Uh, or I should say professional photographs for LinkedIn profiles mm, we'll mm-hmm. have a resume review person there, some coaches, and you know really create almost like an expo for job seekers is what we're looking to do and then after that we we want to start doing them you know maybe once a quarter, and then we want to eventually do them every quarter up and down Southern California and then expand nationally. And then the other thing we want to do is just some pure um events, networking events that cater to s- specific subgroups. So maybe we do one that just focuses on the Hispanic community, because mm-hmm. um, we w- one of one of my business partners, she's fully bilingual Spanish, and they need help too. You know, right on their job search, and and so it's just really catering to those groups and partnering with veterans and the LGBT community. And I mean, when there's diversity and inclusion, it's across the board. That that's we want to have um groups in, in every, I guess you could say, sector of those groups, if that's mm-hmm. okay to say. I don't know even know how to describe that. But, yeah. but that way we have representation and that we're somehow doing our effort to support those individuals on their job search. So.
0: Well, th- <laughs> that's incredible because when you talk about... When you use the term workforce development, mm-hmm. uh, this is true development of the workforce. It is bringing that equity and that inclusion, whether it's uh, you know your ethnic background, your your religious beliefs, or or mm-hmm. whatever seems to distinguish you from other groups or from the larger group. Right, uh, you are truly developing the workforce by providing these services to these diverse groups, and that mm-hmm. is unique because. Yes. Believe me, um, in my professional life and in my personal life, I have dealt with different type of recruitment agencies, and it's pretty rare Mm -hmm. to meet somebody whose business is really focused on bringing that kind of equity. Yes. Um, And and so that part is incredibly important, I think, to where we are right now in our society, Mm -hmm. but where we are in our community. Yes. And and so I'm I'm so grateful that that's what you're doing. So you're bringing. This, I think, a, a unique background and a diverse background from many perspectives into a, a business that I think has overlooked these needs. Yes. For for decades, I hate to say that. Yes. But that's mm-hmm. that's really the way it's been.
1: Yes. Yes. And part of that desire was that right. I've been on both ends. I've been you know I've worked on the agency side and then I worked you know so I know what that looks like for staffing agencies. And then I've been working on corporate, you know, so I understand what, you know, corporations care about when they're looking at talent and hiring. And then, of course, I've been a job seeker, too. And mm-hmm. so understanding mm-hmm. those challenges of, you know, how do I get to the next phase of my career? And, you know, the, the platform we have has a career planning tool where you can, you know, project where you want to be and then what are those um, steps that you need to to take to get there. And we have articles that provide advice on different topics like interviewing and networking and you know, all sorts of um, resources there for job seekers. And, and um, you know, I think just over time, it's gonna just get better and better as far as um, tailoring it more and more to, to the needs of the job seeker. And then again, doing that work or being an extension to employers, corporations that are looking to attract talent and we're actually going out in the community and doing that for them there, you know, by, by utilizing us
0: for that. And so you have actually blended through the second and third questions that I typically ask, which is great, <laughs> yes. because you're telling us what you're doing now and what you're planning for the future. Yes. Um, because uh, professionally, this business is, I think, just on the precipice of really blossoming and then providing this unique and, and critically important perspective to the job-seeking community and to the corporate and business community who, who are looking for employees. Yes. Um, and uh and and in our chamber of commerce you're going to go through this year and then you're going to take over the the helm yes. and be the president of the Elisevia Chamber of Commerce. I'm going to put in one plug then. Sure. When you're talking about having your 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 big day and your 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 celebration wherever you choose to put this in We've got great venues in Aliso Viejo. Yeah. <laughs> the Aliso Viejo Ranch is an unbelievable historic venue and then we've got the Aliso Viejo Center right adjacent to the Country Club. Yes. Beautiful views of the of the fairways. And and as you know, because that's where the uh, chamber breakfast is every month. Yes. a wonderful service and and inter- mm-hmm. interior facilities. So I would say think first about Elisa Viejo. Yes, yes, then, we are exploring it for sure. We okay.
1: Are. <laughs> okay, okay,
0: that's terrific. Mm-hmm. Well, Sonia, I I have to say this was uh, such an eye opener for me to get to hear about your business Thank and you. your unique perspective, and I think your uniquely qualified perspective in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So I want to thank you very much for joining the podcast. And I look forward to the rest of this year with you at the Chamber and seeing your business grow.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.